0: Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon.
1: Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? All right, we are in the series "The Victorious Life." The Victorious Life, and we still have a couple more weeks after date as we're talking about this. Next Sunday we're going to hit anxiety and worry. The next week after that, it, we cannot talk about a victorious life without talking about the the ministry and the works of the Holy Spirit within us. So that's going to be two weeks from today. Uh, you don't want to miss that. And um, today we're gonna to, we're gonna complete the temptation part of it. You know, last week we set the foundation. Of how to overcome temptations in our life and sin in our life. And we talked about just focusing on Christ, but today we're going to talk about the, just the practical applications of overcoming temptation. So once we have our focus on Christ, what do we do after that? So uh, let's get right into the Word of God. Letter A, write this down that every temptation is an invitation to focus on Christ. That's what we were talking about last week. Every temptation is an invitation. It's either an invitation to sin or an invitation to focus on Christ. And you need to think of it like that, that every time you're tempted, it is an invitation to set your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what he- Hebrews chapter 12 says, uh, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Like, like everybody in this room, you have some area of your life that's the biggest temptation in your life. It's it's that thing in your life that you just say, boy, if I could conquer that one thing, if God could conquer that one thing, I would be so free. It's the thing that you've constantly struggled with for the last five years, 10 years, or maybe the entirety of your life. I, I, I recently uh, talked to a, a man who had, um, he does not go to this church, but there was some infidelity in his life. And he looked at me and he said, he said you know what? And he, he was in his 60s. He said, you know what? I have struggled with this issue in my life since I was a young teenager, probably 12 years old. He, he had been addicted to pornography and addicted just to, to lustful thoughts the entirety of his life. As he's broken and weeping and just saying this, it was that sin that's, that so easily entangles us. And, and it's not the same sin for every single person in this room like lust is probably a, a big issue with many people in this room but it's not it's not everybody's issue so some of you you have a, a sin in your life and, and 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 it's a sin that you think well nobody else struggles with this and I promise you that that there are others that struggle with it that there are others that deal with it um and can i can I encourage you today everybody that we need to Instead of focusing on that sin, we need to focus our attention on the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the one who's going to bring freedom. In fact, let's keep reading. And let us run with endurance the race that God set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So we don't just focus on him one time. We keep focusing on him throughout the duration of our life. He is the focal point of our life. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Uh, starting at verse one. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So it says, Set your heart and set your mind on things above. Set your heart and set your mind on things above. Let me ask you a question. Do you think about Jesus all day long? Now, now I'm not saying every single thought, because that's, that's it's quite impossible. I mean, sometimes you're going to think, well, what do I want for lunch today? You know? I mean, you're going to think those thoughts, and you're thinking, that has nothing to do with Jesus. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, is, is Jesus a recurring thought in your mind all day long? Are you praying for people throughout the course of your day? Do you see people in need and, and think to yourself, boy, how can I serve them in the name of Christ? How can I how can I bless them? Do, do you see people in need and say, oh, I'm going to pray for them today? Do people contact you? Or do you see things on Facebook maybe and say, wow, they're really struggling with something. I'm going to pray for them right now. Do, do you focus on Jesus all day long, with your heart and with your mind? Is, is he a recurring thought in your mind all day long? And if you can say, no, actually, I really don't. In fact, I'm the type of person that goes to bed at night and think, well, wow, I don't even remember praying today. I, 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 and I certainly haven't done my devotions. I, I Okay, Jesus, you know, and then you, then you pray. But at that point, you're kind of praying out of guilt. You ever feel that way? How many have ever prayed out of guilt before? Okay, okay, so I, I should raise both hands on that. Because think about how a pastor feels. Like, wow, I'm a pastor and I haven't even prayed today. You say, you, you really have those days? I, am I human, everybody? Okay, so so, so don't put pastors up on a, a pedestal. We'll never live up to your expectations. I promise you that. If you put us on a pedestal, we'll, we'll let you down. I, I promise you. Because we have the same issues that you have. There is no difference between us. I, I, have, I might have a different calling upon my life. But I'm, I'm still striving in my relationship with Christ, like hopefully you're striving in your relationship with Christ. Does that make sense, everybody? And there are days where I just think, Oh, you know what? I haven't prayed today. And then I pray, but it's kind of guilt driven. I don't want to live that life. I don't want, I don't want the things that I do for Christ and the thoughts that I think about Christ be driven by guilt. I want them to be driven by gratefulness. I want them to be driven by my love for Him. And, and so I want to be thinking about him all day long. And most days I get that right. Well, most days I'm thinking about Jesus all day long. Now it comes in different ways. When, when I'm still working, I'm still focusing, I'm still leading, I'm still teaching, I'm still doing things uh, that, that are important and just life things. But, but at the heart of it, when, when we come across a struggle and my wife and I are talking about something maybe in our own life or our own family members and we're struggling, it's, it's, Hey, let's pray about that right now. Like even yesterday, um, you'll notice that my wife is not here today, uh, because she, she took my daughter delight, um, to Maryville. there. My, my daughter's adopted from Haiti. So she has a very curly, you know, hair, uh, really an Afro at this point. And, and by the way, that's not politically incorrect. You can, I, I can say that cause I have a black daughter. Okay. So, and that's what they call those things. Just letting you know. Because white people are always, I don't know if I can say, have you ever thought that before? I don't know if I can say that or not because I'm white. I don't know. Or I'm just, you know, well, it's okay to say that. So she has an afro. And so we took her to Crown Point, And it's a two-day process to put these things in her hair called sister locks. And, and it's kind of like these little tight uh, dreadlocks type of things. And it, and it makes it where it's very easy maintenance over the long term, which Jennifer is so excited about. But it's a two-day process. It's like, 16 hours to turn her hair into this. And so she had to be there yesterday and today. And so Jennifer was kind of worried because the lights hair is very brittle. It's very dry. And, and Jennifer said, you know what? I'm I'm really kind of nervous about it. Well, my, my response was, Hey, let's pray about that. Like let's, let's come. And so we just pulled the light and we literally prayed over her hair. Everybody, Uh, she just sat on my lap and I just blessed her with good hair. You know, like, like Lord, let this work because this has been an issue in our life and, and, It's been stressful for my wife. I'm telling you, do you think those thoughts, everybody? Do you think those thoughts? Is is Jesus a recurring thought in your life? Like like when you run into something, even something weird, even something that most people would think of normal like a haircut. Oh, God, let let, let this work out. We need this to work out. You know what I'm saying, everybody? Like really, really focusing your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I call all of us to that? Can can I call you to that? Just a focal point of your life. Focal point of your life. If you get nothing else out of this day, get that. Just get that. Set your minds and set your hearts on things above. What's this? Verse 3 of Colossians 3. For you died. You died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Like you died to the things of this world. You, You died. To, to, to the things that the devil would pull you into, the things that 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 are temptations to you. You're supposed to be dead to those things. In fact, you have been fully made alive in Christ Jesus. And I, so I tell people, you are alive in Christ. Now act like it. Don't go back to the things that are death. Don't go back to the things that bring destruction. Don't go back to those things. You're dead to those things. You have been made alive in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen, everybody? That's a great place to say amen. Because you are alive. Well, pastor, I still, I still sin, though, and I don't want to. And the fact that you don't want to is proof that you've been made alive. It's proof that Christ is in you and that he's working in you. So set your hearts and your minds upon him because he wants you to experience freedom like you've never experienced before. Let her be write this down, that when you focus, when you focus I'm sorry, when your focus changes, your direction will change too. So if you, if you set your heart and your mind on the things of, of God, on, on Christ Jesus, when you focus your attention on Christ, your direction will naturally change. Instead of, instead of heading towards the things that are sinful, you'll, you'll head towards the things that are righteous. It, your, your focus changes your direction. And one of the clearest places we see this in scripture is actually a a, a, a portion of scripture about King David that most of you have heard before. You, you've you known this before, maybe even heard sermons about, but there's some in the room that, you know, this is new to you and I'm going to teach it anyway. And this is, we we have some conversations here at staff, like this is not necessarily one of those stories that you would teach toddlers or or those in in the kids' theater like right now. This is not like first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth. It's not that you don't teach this story because it's a little bit too revealing. It's a little bit uh, too—it removes innocence from a child, but you can certainly teach it to teenagers because it's good stuff, and you can definitely teach it to all of us here today. It's about David, 2 Samuel chapter 11, starting in verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war— David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army, and they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. He remained in the place that he should not be. That was not his place. He wasn't supposed to be in Jerusalem. He was supposed to be on the battlefield. That's where he was supposed to be, but he remained behind. Can I tell you something? One of the biggest, one of the biggest ways to avoid temptation in your life is not go where you used to go. Just letting that sink in. If you've if you've been an alcoholic in the past, how many know it's not wise to hang out at the bar. It just ain't wise. If you if you uh, if you have been if you've been addicted to to drugs of any type, how many know it's not wise to go back to the old friends who used to sell and deal. That's not wise. If you've been addicted to. Uh, uh, Computer pornography, it's not wise to, to hang out in front of your computer. It's just not wise. You see what I'm saying? But, so you need to be where you're supposed to be. And, and David wasn't. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And because he was in a place that he was not supposed to be, this temptation became very real. Verse 2. Once from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. How did David know that? Because he was focused on her. He saw her. And he saw her beauty. And the the problem wasn't that he saw it. The problem was that he kept seeing it. That he kept focusing on it. Because let me tell you something in this world. You're going to be tempted. There are at times things that will just show themselves unexpectedly. And it's our job as believers at the first moment of temptation to turn away, to say, no, I'm not looking at that. I'm not, I'm not going to set my eyes on that. And David had the ability to walk away and get off the roof, but he didn't. He focused his attention on this beautiful woman who was bathing. Verse 3, and David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. He had an affair. And he actually not only sinned himself, but he caused this woman to have an affair who had entered into this relationship with innocence. But he was the king. And so she did what the king wanted. And he caused pain in her world too. There's always a ripple effect to sin. It doesn't just affect you. It affects others. And I know that because I counsel people over and over and over and over again. And there's always a loved one sitting in tears. That has been affected by the sin. And it gets really bad when children are involved. And it's heartbreaking, everybody. It's just heartbreaking. It's like we say it this way here at New Song, that when you throw a rock into a pond, there's a big splash. Let's say that that's the sin. But the ripple effect of that rock goes on all the way to the shore. There is a ripple effect of sin. And it doesn't just affect you, it affects others in your world. And this is David's sin. I should say one of David's sins, because he had a few. You're like, what else did he do? Read your Bible, you'll find out. All right, everybody? Let's slip that right in there. I'm going to teach you a couple things, write this down. That everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. And, and, and thoughts determine actions. Write that down. Everything begins with a thought, and thoughts determine actions. So if you want to control your action, you must control your thoughts. If you want to control your actions, you have to control your thoughts. You have to take every thought captive and make it submissive to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, that is a war term. It's, a, it's it's war terminology. You have to take that thought captive and make it submissive to Christ. Meaning it's a battle, everybody. It's a battle. It's not going to come easy. Well, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted from it. Yeah, it's in a battle. You're in a battle. It's going to get tiring. But freedom is worth it. Victory is worth it. You stay in the ba- battle. You don't allow sin to grow, Right. Because we read last week, when you allow sin to grow, it actually produces death and destruction and pain in your life. It brings about death, the Bible says. That's not good. So everything begins with a thought, and thoughts determine actions. I love what Ecclesiastes says. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 2 and 3. Wise thinking leads to right living. Why? Because everything begins with a thought. Rise think, wise thinking leads to right living. What's this? Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. Fools on the road have no sense of direction. Remember last week we were talking about the path. The path that there is a there is a path to sin. Fools on the road have no sense of direction. The way they walk tells the story. There goes the fool again. And how many times have you, how many times have you looked at somebody? who's just acting bad, they're they're living in sin and something inside of you, you don't word it like this, but you're like, well, there goes the fool again. There they go again. How many of you have a loved one that has has kept getting into sin over and over and over again, no matter how many times family members tell them, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't give in. Come on. you, You can be free from this, that they walk towards it. And you say, well, there they go again. There they go again. Now let's stop that right there and, and let's personalize that. How many people have said that about you? Oh, there he goes again. There she goes again. Come on, everybody. How many have ever been stupid? Right? Right? Be, because, because stupid thinking leads to, to wrong living. And just like you've seen other people live a wrong life, could, could it be that you've, you've not always been successful either? And so so is it wise for us to point our fingers at other people, or is it wise to to say, you know what, I'm going to deal with this myself, with Jesus, I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on me in Christ. As Jesus deals with others, as the Holy Spirit deals with others, so I want Jesus and the Holy Spirit to deal with me, because I don't want to live a foolish life. I want to live a right life. And can I tell you something, let's just get our eyes off of what everybody else is doing wrong and put our eyes upon what Jesus wants to solve in us. Let's put our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith, the champion of our faith. Let's put our eyes there and allow him to work inside of us and deal with us about things that we're struggling with, knowing that he's dealing with our family members and our loved ones and our friends and our coworkers the same way that he's dealing with you, he's dealing with them. They might not admit it, but he is because why? Because he loves them just as much as he loves you. So let's stop judging people and let's start receiving the life Christ has for us. Well, that's good stuff right there. Practical steps to overcome temptation. I told you we're gonna get practical today. Then and and here, and well, all this has been practical, but here are just four steps. Four steps to overcome temptation in your life. The first one is this, that God's word is precious. God's word is precious. You need to study it. You need to protect it. And you need to treasure it. God's word is precious. And God's word will help you overcome temptation. How do we know that? Psalm 119.11, one of the most popular verses in the Bible, I have hidden your word, God, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden it in my heart. How many know that you hide things that are precious? You hide things that are valuable. You you protect things that are precious. God's word, that's why I said it that way, that God's word is precious. It's valuable. And we hide it deep within. So so whenever... um, Uh, We have family members come over to our house. And now, especially it's worse when they're toddlers. You know what happens when toddlers come over to your house or our house? What do we do? We take everything at that level that is precious and we put it away. Because they're going to walk around the coffee table, right? They're going to stumble around the coffee table and they're going to reach for anything they can reach for. And so we take all of the precious things that we don't want broken and we put them in places that they will be protected We hide those precious things. So the word of God is precious and it needs to be hidden within us because the devil will come and try to take things from you. He'll try to steal the word from you. He'll try to choke it out, the Bible says. But we take his word and we hide it inside of us. And by the way, the word of God planted in our hearts produces a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold, the Bible says. I need his word inside of me. And I hunger. I, I, I long for it. I thirst for it. There, there are multiple days where I've already studied. I've already had my devotions. But I think to myself, you know, just one more time. I, I got to get in word God's word again. Just one more time. I got to read a little bit more. Jennifer will say, hey, turn out the light. I'm like, oh, yeah, but I, I've got to read through this chapter real quick. Well, then one chapter turns to two chapters because I'm I'm hungry for the word of God. And, and she'll say, She'll say, are you going to go to bed now? Okay, yeah, yeah, I will. I will. Just one more chapter. No! She'll say, you know, you can read that tomorrow. How many have ever had that fight with your spouse? That should be a fight you should... Don't raise your hand. That should be a fight you should be having because I I oftentimes tell my wife the same thing too. Hey, are you going to shut off your phone? She's like, I'm having my devotions. So I'll keep quiet for about five minutes. Then it's, are you going to shut off your, your phone? I'm still having my devotions. Well, how long are these going to last? You know, you had all day to do this and if you're having those type of arguments, arguments, you know, they're just playful. You know what I'm saying? We're not, being, we're not mad at each other. Those are the type of arguments to have, aren't they? That we hunger and we desire for the word of God so much that we just can't get enough of it. And when you hide it in your heart, when you study it and when you treasure it and when you protect it, everybody, it's going to help you. You 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 hide his word in your heart that you might not sin against him. I tell my 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 children this and I've told hundreds of people this over over the past 25 years. Like what time of the day are you most likely to sin? This is practical, right here. What time of the day are you most likely to sin? And let's say that your your highest Moment of the day to sin is 7 o'clock at night. Well, 7 o'clock at night, I always am tempted with whatever that is. Okay, pull out your Bible at 6.55. Because it's really hard to sin after you just absorbed the word of God. It's hard to read the word of God and then turn around and say, oh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go sin now. How many know that that's a pretty practical way to overcome? So what time of day? I'm just talking practical ways to overcome sin. What time of day are you tempted to sin the most? Pull out your Bible right before that and hide his word in your heart. And if I were you, I'd read, sir, I would read verses of, of victory, verses of overcoming, v- verses of triumph. Study those things. And then when the, the moment of temptation comes, you'll be ready for it. You'll be ready for it. How many think that's good stuff just right there? That's worth the price of admission just right there. Number two, pray for strength. Pray for strength. Remember right after right after uh, Jesus um, spent his time at the Last Supper, and he he's spent his time with the disciples, and he led them in communion together. And then he went to the Mount of Olives. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane because he's going to go pray. And he knows what's coming, and, and this is where... This is where in in Luke chapter 22 that it records that Jesus is so stressed out because he knows what's coming, that he's sweating great drops of blood. Like he is so stressed. So he's about to go off to pray and he looks at at his disciples and he says this. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to hide God's word in our heart, but we also need to pray for strength. So if you're tempted at seven, pull out your Bible at 655 and then pray at 659. Turn it into a prayer. Lord, I accept your word. I receive it in my life. I thank you that I am a victorious believer. I'm a victorious Christian. Christ in me is greater than he who's in the world. And I want to say, thank you Lord for helping me overcome this temptation. I reject it in Jesus name. And then do whatever you should be doing, which is not sinning. Everybody get that? I'm telling you how to live the life. I'm telling you how to overcome temptation. You need to pray for strength. If Jesus told his disciples to pray for strength against temptation, don't you think he would tell you the same thing today? Pray for strength against temptation. Number three, choose what you want most over what you want now. This is huge. Choose what you want most over what you want now. Choose what you want most over what you want now. I had, I had about five people come to me this morning already and say, Boy, Pastor, you're looking great. You know, you, have you lost a little bit more weight? I said, Yeah, I have. it, it, it said, You know, and it's the same thing. Hey, what are you doing? And here, Here's, let me tell you. Here, here's what I'm doing. I'm choosing what I want most over what I want now. Because ye- yesterday, uh, in fact, a couple of days ago, my my mom, if you attend my mom's small group, at, at one of her small groups, I don't know if it's the morning or the evening one, she had like this cake, this butter Butter brickle cake or something like that and so Thursday she brought that over to our house Thursday night she brought that over to our house and then and then I'm staring at it on Thursday night I'm staring at it on Friday and then yesterday the temptation was like whoa I still you know that looks really really good but I have to choose what I want most over what I want now I I wanted that cake right now but what I want most is to be healthy I don't even want to be skinny I just want to be healthy So I'm choosing what I want most over what I want now. Choosing what I want most over. It's the same thing with temptation. You have to choose what you want most over what you want at that moment of temptation. Do you want to live in victory, yes or no? Well, then you've got to choose it in that moment. You've got to choose what you want most over what you want right then. That's what you have to do. And it is, everybody, that's why we're called disciples. Because we are supposed to be men and women of discipline. Men and women of discipline. Are you gonna fail every now and then? Yeah, but I don't feel like I used to. I don't fail as much as I used to. Why? Because I'm becoming more and more a person of discipline because I am, after all, a, dis- a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we choose what we want most over what we want now. And then number four, we gotta seek help and accountability. I, I can't teach about temptation without saying this. You've gotta seek help. You've gotta seek accountability. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So one sharp person sharpens another. How many know it's, it's, it's painful when somebody is sharpening you? Let me say it like this. It's, it's easy to sharpen somebody else. Well, I'll tell you what you need in your life. It's easy to sharpen somebody else, but it's painful when somebody is sharpening you. Like when my wife comes to me, And she says, Justin, this is an area of your life that you really need to work on, or you've really been struggling with this lately. I've noticed that. Or Justin, you haven't had the the best attitude lately, or hey, you've been a little bit harsh with the, the kids lately. That's not fun for me to hear. It's not fun for my wife to sharpen me. It hurts a little bit. But I've learned over the course of 22 years of marriage that I'm wise when I listen to my wife. Wives, you need to punch your husband in the side right now with your elbow and say, honey, listen to me, all right? just You have my permission to do that. Husbands, don't do that to your wives. That's not wise right now, okay? Just, just let them have their moment, all right? It's not fun to be sharpened, is it? But is it good for you? It's not fun when my wife confronts me on something in my life. It's not fun for me, but is it good for me? Yes, it's good for me, and so I say thank you Jennifer, and I, I don't say that every time. Sometimes I have to think about that for a little while, sometimes, like, what? No, I haven't. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, you're reading that wrong. And then about 20 minutes later, I come to my senses and I have to go back to my wife. say, I'm sorry, you're right. You're right. I just didn't want to admit it. Sharpened, being sharpened is not any fun. But you need somebody in your life that loves you so much that they take the time to sharpen you, and they'll allow you to sharpen them too. You need help. You need accountability. That's why we do small groups around here, because that's your best opportunity to be sharpened. It's your best opportunity to be in a relationship with somebody that you can open up yourself. We say it this way, that you can take off the mask and say, this is who I really am, and they're going to love you anyway, but they're going to sharpen you. They're going to help you. And then they'll take off their mask, and they'll show you who they really are, and you'll have the chance to sharpen them. And everybody, at the end of the day, we're all better for it. We're all better for it. Amen. You received the word of the Lord today. Amen. Let's stand up together. Now this is one of those, this is one of those moments where you you decide to actually just go out and live this, right? This is one of those moments that you decide that you just go out and live this. You just go out and live this. Like, like the, okay, so let me say it this way, the mass altar call today is, is not a matter of, okay, well, how many needs to put this into a, effect in their lives? Raise your hand. Well, we, all, we would all raise our hands because we all need to follow this. This is one of those messages that applies to 100% of us. Straight across the board. And this is one of those messages that your response doesn't need to necessarily happen now. Your response needs to happen after you leave. When you face the world, when you face temptations, you're going to know how to handle it. I've done my best to equip you Handle temptations in your life, but now you need the discipline to follow through with it. All right, so now we pray, Lord, strengthen me, Lord, give me wisdom, give me desire. Let's pray, let's pray a prayer like that. Would you do that with me? Can we just open up our hands toward heaven, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit? Once again, we surrender, we offer our lives, and we're asking. Speak to us. Strengthen us. Holy Spirit, strengthen us so that we can live a life of victory. Give us wisdom, Father. Let your word come alive in us that we we would not only study it, but we would embrace it. We would remember it. We would live by it. That we would be a person of discipline. Lord, that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness more than we hunger and thirst for anything in this world. Lord, I pray that every single moment of every single day, we would be reminded to follow you, to focus on you. So once again, we are giving you our lives in surrender. We're giving you our worship we're giving you our words, we're giving you our thoughts, we're giving you our hearts, we're giving you all of us so that we can live the life that you've called us to live, so that we could be the people that you've called us to be, so that we could live the victorious life and show the world that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who strengthens us, who lives in us. We want to live that type of life, Lord. So we offer ourselves to you and we invite you in to our lives, to every moment of our lives. Father, we give ourselves to you, and we thank you for changing us and for molding us and making us into your image. For the glory of your name, we pray these things in Jesus' name. As a church,
0: it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org slash connect